G'day guys, uh, it's Mitchell Short here, uh, and you're listening to the Running Rugby Podcast. So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again, and Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. You've got Archie here. I'm joined with Leo and Toby, as always. And we've got two competitions to talk about. Super Rugby RTL is still going. And Super Rugby Australia has kicked off over the weekend. So a few games to start off. And look, boys, we'll, we'll probably kick it off with the Australian comp. We, we saw the Tars and Reds get back into it. Uh, we saw these new law variations coming with goal line dropouts for the first time. These 50-22 kicks, or 22-50, however you want to say it. And we saw a Waridars team, a team of babies, take on the Reds. And look, they were definitely blowing off the dust, but the Tars, they didn't didn't look too bad in some of this. Better than we hoped. Yeah, they're a bit rough, and, and you know, lack of time spent playing together and a few new faces uh, certainly showed. But there's some there's some there's definitely some good prospects in that group. In that squad, uh, I think um, Walton at inside centre had a fairly shocking game. Unfortunately, dropped a lot of ball and mm. um, only really had a couple of impactful carries. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if they stick with him. But I guess it would be good to see them stick with as many of these young guys as they can because one game doesn't make a career, and you know everyone deserves a, a few more goes, particularly when this competition sort of a bit uncertain what it really means and if it's if it's going to have much history or longevity going forward baby tars arch baby tars i know we've we've talked about the baby reds for years and now it's the baby tars time to shine uh, as you said um a few sort of glimmers of hope there a few pieces that didn't quite fit um but it was it was 26 all at 67 minutes in and it was only some late uh, penalties from James O'Connor to put the Reds in front, 32-26 taking this. And boys, I just, you know, interesting game here. It's not, it probably didn't go the way that I expected. I think the Tars probably played a little better than I thought they would in some ways, given how many fresh faces were there. Um, big shout out to Jack Maddox. I thought he really stepped up. Um, and probably Swinton as well did some good things on the field, although his game is still... I guess, yet from polished. But that ball to Maddox was just such a standout. Um, and I thought we saw some good signs overall from some of the new guys. Um, but you're right, the, the Joey Watt situation at 12, I think he probably needs two or three games to really um, show his wares because obviously he was probably a bit nervous, enthusiastic, over-eager um, and had some things go against him, kind of like the Highlanders fullback um, last week. So I think, um, look, yeah, Gregory, I think... Overall, the Tars will be relatively happy with that performance. They could have stolen the win in the end. Um, and the Reds, look, I think they probably didn't play their best. So probably, you know, there's there's things, to, I think, positive things overall from that. There's a lot of drop ball overall, but I think that that will change going into next week. We always see that with Australian teams. They they tend to have a bit of loose handling at the start of the season. So interesting. The Reds definitely 
showed us uh, how uh, at risk they are around that second row group because with the loss of Harry Hawkins and the loss of Isaac Rodder and then Angus Blythe goes down with a concussion early, uh, goes goes off the sideline, that's, you know, it left them fairly exposed. Their line-out became less threatening. Their scrum was a bit, um, bit more vulnerable. And I, I think... Guys like Hawkins and Rodder always used to do a lot of carries. Uh, Blythe used to carry the ball a lot. Didn't feel like they had the same impact and, and sort of gain line success without those the tall timber running the ball up. So that's something they're going to have to figure out as they go on. They're going to rely more on Lucan, who was a little bit maybe invisible in this game. Like, yeah. again, popped up every now and then, but wasn't really prominent. And that's an experienced, you know, senior guy who you would expect to see step up and, you know, maybe start directing traffic a bit between him and Liam Wright. Um, they're, I suppose, the, the senior guys behind the front row. They really need to start calling the other guys into action and, and leading, getting the other guys supporting them. I didn't see enough of that, and I would like to see more. I think it'll have to come if they're going to be competitive when they take on the Brumbies. Well, I think we we talk, keep talking about that with Lucan, though, don't we? That he just tends to go missing and, and lacks consistency, like... It's this sort was of the one problem game we have three. with the Wallabies as well. Yeah, it's one game in three or something for me. He's he's sort of prominent, and then he's just kind of he's he's present but not prominent. And the circumstances are now he needs to be a leader, a you know, a big ball carrier, an aggressor in the Reds in this young forward pack. Yeah, I mean, with only three carries for eleven meters in the game, um, it's really not not the workhorse that you really want him to be. That's right. Um, on the other hand, you talk about the other leader in that pack, Liam Wright, the captain, started off this competition, gets the first try for his team five minutes in. Um, what do you think of the shift to six and the Mick Wright and um, Harry Wilson as the as the back row there? Do you think that's a that's a winner? I do. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think it's great. I think <clears throat> the one good thing about perhaps losing Rodder is that Lucan's forced to play in the second row, and that's opened up a spot in the back row for Liam Wright to shift to six, obviously, and then Fraser McWright, because Fraser McWright's always going to struggle to get a start with Liam Wright in the, at the club. But I think you've seen now maybe that he can play six. He's got a bit more height to him as well. He's not your traditional seven anyway, so I think maybe six could be his position, and he's just a bit more mobile than than other sixes around. Um and I just really liked his positivity over the team. Like Michael Hooper is can often be a bit negative in, the, in his body language and the way he carries himself, even though he's in everything. But it just seems like Liam Wright, nothing kind of phases him. He's always quite positive around the group. And I think Brad Thorne, that's what he's seen in him. He's just a really level head, consistent and positive. So, I, yeah, I was really impressed with him. I, I liked him at six. And Fraser McWright deserves a go. You know, he, he needs opportunity early in his career. He's the former captain of the under-20s. Obviously, he was a senior figure in that team. Now, coming off the bench for a while for the, for a while for the Reds, biding his time. Uh, it would be good to see him develop and, and test himself against the, the full adult professionals. And he's probably only maybe at risk with the fact that he's a, a fairly uh, fetching and and... Um, sort of hassling style seven, he with this new focus on the ruck, he's maybe at risk of getting penalised if he's a bit too uh, aggressive, trying to pilfer the ball frequently. Like I think he got penalised a few times. He was getting warned quite a lot 
um, as well. So just just not to overplay it, just to you know pick and choose these opportunities, take the easy easy opportunities, and and don't get yourself into trouble because as we've seen, the penalty counts of these games are, are fairly high. We don't need to the Reds don't need another person um, sort of generating a few more penalties in, in the side. He did get a number of steals, though, didn't he? At least two or three, I think. Yeah, no, he did. Like, he had a lot of success, but he was also called off the ball a lot, and, and he did give away a couple of penalties. And he's just got to learn where that line is, and everyone mm. does because of the, the way they're interpreting the ruck now strictly to the law. So that's just that's just an evolution, and... and He's going to be super eager, super keen, you know, want to do everything he can for the team. He sees Liam Wright out there every week, and Liam Wright's pilfering. He wants to be doing that as well. Um, it's just, you know, un- understand the context of this competition and, and this year. And I think he'll be I think it'll be a really good compliment to Harry Wilson, to Liam Wright. That, that's a really good blended um, back row. It's got a bit of everything of what you want. Archie's top five. <laughs> that's right. Harry five. Wilson is just... He's awesome. I love Harry Wilson. Is he going to be a lock for like, for the Wallabies? He's going to be in the squad. Sure. I mean, is he nice around? He didn't play for the Rebels on the. Yeah, I, I'm not saying he's a I starter. A, I think he's a lock for the squad. I think there's a chance he there's a chance he starts think, if he continues to play like this. Oh, why not? I can't see why not. Like, well, he, who he else? Just, who else? It is, seems like he's been playing for three years. It's really like if you take this completely from scratch now. Um, the other, like, opponents that he has to outdo. Look, he's got Pete Salmi down at the bottom. He's not a typical eight. He's got um, Izzy Naitarani isn't fit and playing for the Rebels at the moment. And maybe Dempsey, who's not even getting a starting position for the Tars in favour of Will Harris. Like, oh, it, yeah, might be, I think... it might be have to. It might have to be him, but I'd, I wouldn't go as far as saying he's earned the spot <clears throat> yet on his current trend and assuming someone like Naitarani doesn't come back in and... and you know, demonstrate how good he is consistently for the Rebels, then absolutely there's a chance. He's he's one of the guys who, who's who got a shot at being a bolter. I don't think any of the other rookies uh, are really a shot. Maybe maybe one of the fly halves if they wanted to bin Tamur if he doesn't step up. But I hope yeah, Harry Wilson's got a... Oh, I'd love Noah to see Lovesco too. But Harry yeah. Wilson, like I, I really like that he and Swinton were really getting into each other in this game. Obviously... You know, sized each other up, sort of seeing, all right, you're the one I'm going to try and hit. Um, Wilson's the, the young guy getting a lot of rage and success, and um, he, he, Swinton's decided he's going to try and put him on his back a few times. And then, yeah. you know, Wilson later on Which gets to tie over the top of him. He did, that's right. It went back and forth. That's a that's a good rivalry. I hope Swinton doesn't turn well, into Swinton... a do anything dumb, but, you know, that'll be a good one to watch over the years if they stay in these two teams. But if you watch him with his hits, like he makes an impact every time he tries to pull off a hit. It generally works. Like he's it's not putting always guys that accurate. Yeah, but when he gets someone clean, like they they go back and like but when he, he misses Wilson someone, they score twice. a try. Like yeah, that's, that's, that's my problem. That's, with that'll come with time. It'll come with time. I think his his aggression is a positive factor. But you're right; he, he can't let frustration it. creep in, yeah. and and kind of lose his head. And you. You even see that with Tong and Thor. Like, he does some dumb stuff where yes. his aggression gets the better of him. He's the liability um, in the Reds at the moment, unfortunately. Another guy puts on massive hits, but puts you at risk yeah. of a yellow card, puts you, like, yeah, those yeah. those 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 delayed bumps on the kicker, um, I think you, you just can't afford to do it. They're clamping down on all these other rules. They're, they're going to be focused on those late hits, especially when the guys sprawl over. 
It's so obvious when you're hitting someone the size of Will Harrison. Yeah, you know, Maddox is Maddox. one you hit, Maddox loud. Maddox, but Maddox was you know he was hamming it up a bit. I think both of them did well with that. But Harrison is a you know he's barely he's 90 not a big kilos. Man. Yeah, he got someone 45 kilos heavier than just hitting his square in the ribs like yeah. you know. But yeah, anyway, it was a good on, contest. I think on I the other on the other side of the ball, um, we saw. Definitely a bit of a weakness in the Waratahs scrum. I think they were probably lucky that Blythe went off um, when he did because that um, made a little bit of a difference, evened it up. What I was seeing, and look, it was on the left-hand side of the Waratahs scrum, but I think it was part of the fact, I'm thinking, that Ned Hannigan in the row just doesn't give the same power um, as some of the other sort of contemporaries lock. He's not a traditional lock, and it seemed like he wasn't, we weren't getting that same sort of power coming through um, for Angus Bell on the left-hand side early on and made them suffer a little bit with that. Mm. That's you really needed. No, I think, again, he's a very young prop and we don't see props genuinely, like, generally kind of get to their top level until their mid to late 20s. True. I know that's changing True. a little bit. Um, and Taniella is an example of someone who's developed, you know, very quickly, yeah. Um, and so is, you can't, and is known for think, having being a good scrummager, a powerful scrummager, and hard to. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think you can fault Bell too much. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm him. worried that Hannigan and Swinton are not giving him enough support, and therefore it's a worry for Bell that he can't. I don't know if it's Swinton. He can't. But Hannigan. Well, it's yeah. the, that's the two of them that were behind him on that scrum. I know. And admittedly, I don't think he was at fault every single scrum either. Early on, he was getting dominated. And then he started to hold up and the other side went down. Yeah, yeah. Because it had been over and over and over. They just had, you know, Angus Bell as, you know, lead, leading man who's going to get carded. But I worry for him that if he doesn't have a legitimate second rower behind him and, uh, you know, a back rower who's supporting against that, then poor Angus Bell can't do anything, you know, can't, yeah. you know. To, uh, he doesn't get a fair go. Yeah. Yeah. He can't perform to his full potential. It's nothing against him. I think he's, you know, I think he's, you know, give him the bright setup, the right support behind. No dramas. He, he's been looking very solid. I worry that Hannigan's now going to end up there. And what happens to his selection opportunities if people are seeing, oh, lots of these scrums go down on that side and they don't see through that it's potentially mm. some lack of. You don't want to get. You don't want to get that reputation him. at a young yeah. age, particularly, but. Maybe Jed's the answer. You bring Jed back in next to Simmons to add a bit more weight to that. I think you have row, to because he's probably he's probably got ten, fifteen kilos on Hannigan, really. I think you have to. Or Stanford. Oh God, please! This is like when there's guys like Stanforth in the twenty-three. I'm just like we're doomed to fail. Like I just I can't I can't get over it. <laughs> it just seems wrong. Like surely there's. A lock that's a little more talented than Stanforth. It's in the best three locks for New South Wales. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems wrong. They had another young gun, Macaulay, earlier in the year, which I hope that they bring back in um, at some point for him. Um, looking at the backs, though, I mean, we've already highlighted Maddox had a sort of standout game, taking over that role of fullback, stepping into Curtly Beale's shoes. Um, looked like he took um, the extra responsibility and relished that. Um, and so that's an exciting time. Um, who else sort of stood out in the backs for both teams, did you guys think? I thought Will Harrison was pretty decent. Um, yeah. rest of the Tars backs, I don't know, Newsom always, 
he works hard and he's he's really putting a lot of effort into what he does and he tries to kind of I guess gather people around him in defense like he's he's talking a lot um I thought no one need to ask they probably could have done a little more but yeah. um, what about James, James Ram, Ram on the other side the newly bearded James Ram he looks he looks almost bigger I don't know he, I thought when he first come in he looked like a smaller winger but now maybe the beard's adds added size I don't know it's something he's um he looks like the type of guy that it's a bit like the Muirhead style, kind of in everything, quite dynamic, um, and he's got some pace to him, which mm. I like. He's a little he's bit a of a gymnast, I think. Yeah, so he's, he's got he's... plenty of. He's pretty dynamic in the way he moves. Um, so yeah, I was, he did catch my eye. I think he he has potential. It's still very raw, and it was maybe the just the fact that it's round one for them. Yeah. You know, a lot of passes thrown behind players up into their heads. I think at one point. Like, just the, the thought process seems solid. The decision-making mm. seems fair. But the execution, the skills, and maybe just running on a bit of adrenaline, I think, is what yeah. brought them unstuck across across the whole back line of the Waratahs, really. Um, you know, Nwanga Nitawasi was up in people's face missing tackles. So, yeah. you know, getting yeah. into the right spot on the right man, but, you know, turnstiling a bit. And that's just... You know, and then and then kind of looking a bit forlorn when it's sort of you know when he'd been beaten, you're like, you know, get some grit, put a hit on, you know, don't 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 be so um, so worried about rushing up and and absolutely smashing someone. Just you know, keep the you know one on ones, get your one on ones done. Um, and I didn't really notice much of um, Mitch Shorts, the halfback. Yeah, he's a bit slow. Just sort I of. Found. I was, yeah, like he didn't snipe. He didn't really. Create any breaks. Uh, um, he reminds me a bit of Phipps in the way that you know, he seems a little clumsy at the breakdown, maybe a little slow. Um, doesn't seem to have that, I don't know. It's just he doesn't seem to have that tempo that maybe Jake has in terms of around the ruck. I know we've, Jake sometimes his passing's a little off. Um, when, you, when you compare him to like McDermott, like McDermott was in many yeah. things, taking quick taps, driving He's the back line forward. As well. Yeah, like yeah. I really like McDermott. Obviously, but um, like that's you want your halfback to be a little bit chirpy, niggling a bit, driving the forwards. I guess he's quite junior across that side, but that's you, you need to see that. Like the yeah. halfbacks are the are the pest; they don't shut up, and sure. you, you can't afford yeah. to be the 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 halfback that's a bit more passive. Like that's just not going to cut it, especially I, when you don't have a dominant ten. I think that's a little bit harsh for like first game back here. Like we've seen short in years past have really good games where he is an attacking threat. Um, maybe not so much in this game, but again, like, it's it's first game back. But I, I agree, compared to what McDermott was doing, and I'm really impressed with the, like, playmaking um, that McDermott's taken on, taken a bit of pressure off, like, James O'Connor doing it. He's very much happy to spark things at the right to facilitate his forwards going forward, um, to go down the blind side or throw out that cutout pass to hit someone sort of at the line really flat. So very, very... The 8 and 9 for the Reds, I feel like, could easily end up being the 8, 9 and potentially 10 for the Wallabies when we see our first team this year. The 50-22 as well, just he has that ability to see things before they they happen. Like he just anticipates um, things on the field, has a good idea of where the space is. Um, And he has the skills to execute some of the tougher plays there. So I can see him threatening for that Wallaby spot 
Another guy, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but Joe Powell looked pretty good on the weekend. If Jake Gordon comes back, he'll be a threat as well. Um, even Lawrence, I don't know if he's eligible, but he's he's always kind of he looks like he's he in is. the frame as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I don't know the Tars. You you think they have to stick with that back line for at least three games or so just to give to them really a chance, see yeah. how that. Yeah, give them give them a chance. Completely new combinations there, and absolutely. Um, probably the youngest Tars backline we've seen in twenty over twenty years. Like absolutely, it's it's quite ridiculous to see, but. I think it's exciting. There's there's going to be guys in that back line that are going to be mainstays, hopefully, in this team for the next 10 years. Well, and they absolutely didn't look completely overwhelmed by a more experienced Reds back line. Um, I don't think we saw the standout performance from Paisami we were thinking might come along. Um, people like Jock Campbell were present, but nothing too um, remarkable. We didn't mention it last week, but Henry Spate has left um, the Reds early He's disappeared, so which I mean, I'm not too upset with. He was having a great season at the start of the year, but I'm I'm glad to see Filippo Dalgunas um, getting his start and his chance on the field as well, because I think he'll continue to threaten as well. The more time you give him, I don't and even signed know. Spaded left. Signed a long-term deal. Dalgunas, yeah. I think, signed four years. So yeah, they just. I mean, not that they didn't want Spade. I just think that those outside back positions, they've got a lot of good guys and. Spade's been, you know, Spade might just think his Wallabies chances are, are limited. So may well, well, we, we've well. said that too. I definitely did. And if anything, Spade might have been there more to give some guidance and, you know, lend some experience to what is quite a young group. And if they're comfortable that that young group's, you know, coming of age and reaching, you know, the early stages of their potential, well, at least Spate has hopefully written himself a good check by playing well at the start of the year because he did play very well and he deserves... Um, you know, more opportunities if he takes them overseas rather than hanging around for the Wallabies, so be it. Probably frees up some cash as well. I think Rennie's had a part to play in some of these more experienced guys that perhaps he doesn't see as the future of the Wallabies moving on early. So KB, I think, was pushed rather than wanted to leave um, a few months early. So I mean, I think maybe Spade was in the same boat. With financial stress, maybe that, maybe that is them saving, saving a bit of cash there. Probably Australia might have been more willing yeah. to let them go. Let's let's go to the other Australian game on Saturday night. We'll wrap up the Australian comp before we go to New Zealand. And we had the Brumbies at home, GAO Stadium. Bit of a sparse crowd just because of restrictions on who they could have in. Um, versing the Rebels, we, we sort of knew that the Brumbies were going to look strong in this, but I don't think we thought that the Rebels were going to become such a threat that they came back in this second half. Um, quite strongly had a couple of um, tries unanswered really before the Brumbies really took control again and they looked like they had every chance to win but the Brumbies ended up taking it by eight in the end 31 to 23 um, and probably a forward dominated battle for the most part in this game they were rolling more tries on both sides um, the Brumbies in my eyes I don't think had the perfect game I think they had a really good start to this one and you don't often see them let teams back into it as much as they did um, so I think in that way it flattered the Rebels a little bit. I think the Brumbies, like, they showed how good they can be and I think they just need to do it for the whole game. And I think if they do that, they'll really dominate teams. But you can see here, um, you know, there were definitely lapses in their game and, and maybe that's just because of not playing for three or four months and they're still getting their, their game fitness back, their game mentality. Um, but overall, I think lots of good signs from them. 
Um, Noah, again, can't say enough good things about him. I think he's just that next level to what Will Harrison is at the moment in terms of a young 10 in Australia. His running and attacking uh, game just seems to be something that's continually a threat. You saw him make a couple of clean breaks in this game, obviously the one leading to Tom Wright's try as well. Um, mm, that's just an definitely. element that we, we haven't quite seen from Harrison in, in the competition so far. Mm. He's kicking. I mean, just what epitomised it for me was when they were right close to the line and he saw an opportunity and he just went full ball into the forwards, like head down, went for the try line, didn't make it. But it just shows he's not afraid to really just hit it up even though he's not, not the biggest guy in the world, it's just a mentality and a confidence. His mindset is there to punch through gaps if, if he thinks there's an opportunity. Um, so I really like that, and I just think he, he runs the back line really well. Am I right in saying, was he the 12 in the under-20s outside yep. Will Harrison? So yep. he's actually got uh, a bit a more lot direct running in him. Yeah, or he was on the bench. I think. I think he wasn't always starting. But yeah, yeah. No. Joey Walton was there at twelve too, so it was maybe flexed a so little bit. Yeah, so I mean that's a good characteristic to to add that he's willing to run it hard and, and he's experienced that. Just you know, he's not a ten who has to change his game and find find the confidence and the, the opportunity to run hard. He's it's kind of pre built into his past experience. So well, he's really exciting. He's this, he's the a couple of the times in this game and previously where he's just sliced through the line and it's, it has looked a little bit Larkham-esque where it's just kind of, he's just through, it's just ghosted through. And you're just like, how did he, how did he slip mm. through that gap? And then again, you know, it's, it's, it's then looking for the support and, and not trying to do everything himself and thinking smartly about what's in front, where the space is, thinking about kicking, thinking about passing, like just, I don't know. It seems very mature, very mature set of, uh, very mature, head on that set of shoulders and uh obviously you know he's got the advantage of probably the best forward pack in australian super rugby to work behind so he's got the platform gives him the space he's got a really good experience center pairing outside he would usually have tom banks uh the fill-in this week uh was reasonable uh, sorry i can't remember his Mac name Mac hansen Mac hansen yeah Mac hansen he, he had his moments like you know a little bit a little bit rough around the edges but to but start off with, bad. I thought we were going to see a repeat of Gregory's performance. There were a few bobbles yeah. earlier, but, <laughs> yeah. but he really he, he brought it back. And he, he found his way. Yeah, exactly. And he had actually He's got some good feet on him. Yeah. So that's good. Like, and you know, you couldn't ask for a better opportunity for Lalesio now. Like, you, you would hope that he does perform well with that that much support around him. Joe Powell as well, experienced scrum half, delivering the ball and and doing a really good job of it. So, to me, the Brumbies still just look like that benchmark of consistency. Uh, didn't get flustered mentally when the Rebels made a push to come back, kept their heads, stayed in the game. You could see how happy they were, you know, bringing the game home there at the end. Um, like, they, they just, they kind of, they knew they were confident that they were still in the game all the way through. Contrast to the Rebels, who look frantic at times and disjointed, and it comes together and then it falls apart. And, um, again, it's it's a cast of, of stars in a lot of ways, maybe not so much in the forwards, but in certainly in the backs, there's plenty of Wallabies caps in that mix. And they're just not, it just doesn't add up to what it should. It just seems just to add up think... to less than the sum of the parts. Yeah, they don't have the unity that the Brumbies have. They don't seem to, yeah, they don't play in a way where they're complementing each other. But um, why, why don't they have that? What is the reason? I, I mean, I think two that years ago, you could coaching. have said, 
like, oh, it's a new team. They've been put together mm. sort of thing. It's two combination two squads. But they've had several years together now. Why? Why? What is the Particularly problem? The is backs. it just the coach or like... The, the halves have changed. So the halves have changed over. That's got to play part of it. The, the, the service yeah. and the, the style of the attack has changed. You go from having Wilgenia and Quade Cooper to uh, Lawrence and Tamua. Like that's, they're not the same combination. Tamua and Quade Cooper, massively different players. Tamua, I still don't have that much confidence he's in. A, I just, he's not I just, a 10. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't think he distributes that well. I feel like the, when he does, it's just through the hands. It's It's not... The, yeah. it's, it's almost like the timing of no the pass. Creativity. When you think about when when you've got your you know outside backs, your inside inside outside center, fullback, maybe a winger coming round. Like there's not just get the ball to the right guy who's running in a gap. There's the timing of it, which you know it's late enough that the the hole's still there and the guy can catch it, but early enough that it's not you know too flat and at risk of an intercept. Like it just feels like it goes through the hands, and Hodge just doesn't inspire me at all. Like he's physically. He's got an awesome boot. He's a strong runner. He's generally pretty solid in defense. But it's just it's just nothing. You don't get anything exciting out of him. You don't see the breaks. Um, you know, his support play when one of his other backs is carried up, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty wet wet tea towel at, at the ruck trying to clear out. Like tends to just bounce off and land on his butt and hop back up. Like that I don't know, it just doesn't it doesn't come together for them in the backs and no one is sparking anything. Um, you know, again, they like, Petty. they like creativity. I think just overall, I think they're, they're all solid all round players, but there's not one person really sparking anything. And Quaid did that for a while. Yeah. I think they needed someone like that. Did the too. Real creativity. Yeah. But Tamuri isn't that player. He's very direct. He's a great defender, but yeah, he's guilty of shuffling the ball you know, just putting it through the hands down the back line. And then you've got Meeks who sometimes if he's not playing for, with confidence, he just tends to do it as well. That's or right. But just I, hit it up and I there's, nothing, like there's not the really service. any of the fleet-footedness. I think, think a couple of years ago, Meeks was, again, slicing through the line and having all these breaks where then he'd be looking outside to English and Hodge and, and the rest of them and, you know, playing in that sort of into the second line of defence. And I think... Maybe maybe it's part that Meeks has lost a step. I don't know. I think it's hard to tell. And that's why I feel like maybe it's more the service. Like if he's running the same line, he's getting the ball just shuffled out to him earlier. The gap closes up and he gets belted. Whereas before, I think there was maybe maybe more opportunity because those passes were better judged, maybe coming a bit later and not always just shuffling through the hands man to man. So, mm. you know, that was a decoy line, not just a, sh- not just a hit it up line. It just feels very one-dimensional now. They're set pieces, throw it to Meeks, and he bustles it up and kind of, you know, go from there. I think, and it's the strange thing is as well, it's it's still the same coach, Sean Byrne, who had plenty of um, people complimenting his coaching ability. He was spending some time with the Wallabies when Checker was there. Um, so you'd have to think maybe it isn't him. Is it Vessels? Is it the overall system? I think their forwards are still not probably getting enough front football and maybe that's just not allowing the backs to really open up, um, which is always tough against the Brumbies. We know how clinical they are on their forwards. Um, but, yeah, it's it's another story, I think, where the Rebels are, are going to have another substandard season and, you know, it's you probably get away with it this year because it's a condensed competition and maybe Vessels gets one year after this. But... 
there are there's problems there and I can't actually identify them myself either. It's it's really tough to know exactly what needs to be changed. Let me just put a few sort of names between these two squads um, on who you'd sort of pick for higher honours or going into a Wallaby system. Like, there's obviously people like Haylet Petty's probably going to be there over Mark Hansen and things, but if Corabidi, the beardless Corabidi, um, potentially the opposite hmm. of what happened to James Ram, lost a little bit of his brunt. Um, based off that performance alone, would you still be putting Corabidi in a squad over Tom Wright, say, who had quite a stellar performance? Well, not just on... I mean, I couldn't... If it was only that game, no. Okay. But I, I think Corabidi is too good. Like, he's the best winger in Australia in rugby, like, consistently. So I'd have to still pick him. I'd want to pick Tom Wright as well, because I think... He has a lot of potential. What about Hodge and Kurundrani? Kurundrani. Yeah. Kurundrani, who's TK been, all the way, mate. been getting left out in recent years while Hodge has been a mainstay either on a wing or on the bench. Yeah, but Hodge see, is in a, in a 13. Yeah, I think Hodge doesn't do anything for us at 13. Well, what, really what is Hodge then? Is he a 13. wing? He's, not, he's a utility, which is That's part bad. of the problem. He's probably a fullback. <clears throat> He's an outside back utility. He's a winger or a fullback to me. I don't, I don't think he's think anything he's else. I don't think he's quick enough to be a winger. So he almost but didn't I think... that problem that Matt Rogers had when he came came for the Wallabies, and he wasn't really anything. Uh, he was more. He he had the opportunity to be more of a playmaker was... too. Hodge, yeah, depending on where Hodge... he spent time, he could have developed into a lot of different things. But he's been rotated through, and now I feel like he's barely a jack of all. He well, could he have been. He 12, probably could have been an inside centre. He was a winger. Yeah, Imagine, I, I he just think played he's... inside centre the whole time. He just hit it up, like hit it up, big boot, like big defence. Like, well, you you compare him to someone like a race and Reds. that's like that's quite similar, right? Yeah, that's... big guys, big boots, but can pass when needed. Yeah, but I think Hodge Hodge carries the ball far too much when he's at the inside centre. I don't think he's as good a distributor as the Ray Simone. Yeah, that's why I think fullback is it works for him. He has time to wind up. He's got a big boot at the back. He's good in space, but he probably doesn't need that cutting edge pace that you you need as a winger at the international level. But he's not going to get that shot because DHP is still what is he nearly thirty? He's not or twenty eight or something. He's not particularly old. Um, so he's going to be stuck behind DHP just as Maddox was. And he's he's plugging holes in a backline, Rebels backline, with plenty of talent. And so he's just, you know, they think, okay, 13 is a position that's difficult and probably a bit limited at the international level. We don't have a lot of 13s. So here's an opportunity. Um, but I just don't think that he's a 13 naturally. What about... And that's my opinion. I think TK has just played that position for 10 years and he's just almost perfected it. What about Tamua versus Noah? Noah. You, you don't need to ask that. <laughs> After what we've just said, yeah, fair enough. Um, there's not many in the Rebels forward pack that we really need to talk about. Matt Phillip didn't really have a standout game, made a few errors in this. But Jordan Ulisi obviously has played so few Super Rugby games but continued to make a name for himself at the Wallabies level. Um, did he gain any For concussions. For- <laughs> Did he gain any sort of ground here? Like, obviously, he's going up against Flaufanger. No way. No, he, his line-out throwing was hot and cold. Um, didn't stand out running the ball. Didn't stand out as it, you know, wasn't one of these pilfering hookers really, like, 
you know, chorus it's member. Been, it's, it's been a long time since I've been like in general plays, running the ball and being like, oh, like when have you ever seen that in the last two years? But I don't think you've seen it. His set piece might be de- decent. I don't think his line-out throwing is that great, though. Um, and if you wanted him to be a plotter now, which he's just not, I don't think he's at that level. Maybe they thought he would. Um, in terms of a guy that's, what, 6'3", 120, 125 kilos, like he is a big boy for a hooker. But I don't think – I think it hampers him. Maybe he'd be better playing prop. Um, I, d- I just – I don't see him being selected – when Czech is not in the in the driver's seat for the Wallabies. I think Rennie's probably, you know, he's going to look through just potential and say, well, you know, the guy's been on the scene for three or four years. Where has this come to fruition? Potential doesn't get you anywhere if you don't actually capitalise on that. Yeah. And I think Rennie will pick on form. So I don't think Ulysses is going to be in the Wallabies set up until he really shows some great form at super rugby level. Yeah, I think he's on a long road. He's on a long road. He's got to demonstrate it now. He's he's had his opportunities from potential, hasn't really succeeded. So now it's just you know a couple of seasons of Super Rugby, good form, good lineout stats, good scrum no stats, no injuries, all that sort of stuff. He he puts that on the table, and two years out of a World Cup, yeah, maybe he's one of the top three hookers. But I wouldn't be picking him before that. Fair enough. I think the most telling stat that I can see from this game is. Um, the missed tackle numbers and Brumbies made 133 tackles, nine missed tackles in this game, versus the Rebels made 115 and 27 missed tackles. Um, yeah, it's just it's like less than 10 percent versus like 25 percent. That's or something. it. That like, consistency is just uh, what you need, especially from that forward pack that's working together and playing together. Um. Let's go and have a look at the New Zealand games that we had over the weekend. Um, before we get in, I will remind everyone to make sure you're jumping onto our Instagram and Twitter at Running Rugby Podcast or Running Rugby Pod on Twitter um, to catch up with all the latest lineups as they get released for us and make your match day picks if you're not with us on Superbrew. Um, but we started on Saturday night, the Highlanders hosting the Crusaders down in Forsyth Bar. We touted it last week, Battle of the Southern Island. Um, and we said that the Highlanders are a bit tricky. They can surprise people. And look, the final score was 40-20 to 20 here, but God, it did not feel like it watching this game. Um, the Highlanders were right in it up until the last couple of minutes. Um, two late breakaway tries for the Crusaders sealed it for them there. Um, but yeah, Highlanders. And it was it was those three that we highlighted before when we were previewing this. It was Shannon Frizzell, Aaron Smith... And Rob Thompson, probably to an extent. Yeah, Rob was, a, again, had moments, looked a bit um, at sorts, got, got pinged a few times for coming in the side of the ruck, uh, looking a bit frustrated. But absolutely right, like the Highlanders are a never-say-die team. Um, the scoreline was a result of them throwing caution to the wind late in the game, knowing they needed to do something special. And the Crusaders were comfortable just waiting for the opportunities to come, ripped off a few... Uh, tries late there to, to blow the scoreline, but definitely the upset uh, package um, and potential in this competition. So uh, Crusaders will be happy they they got through that one, and and now they're they're looking for the the fourth straight when the Blues come to town. Hurricanes, uh, sorry, Highlanders might be feeling a little bit um, down, but 
you know, the Crusaders are a tough team to match it with, and I think they matched it with them for 65, 70 minutes sort of thing pretty well, uh, and, and at reduced numbers too. The, the Crusaders, bar Scott Barrett, I think, are at just about full strength. So yeah, uh, it was a really good game. Like, it was really exciting. Was, um, absolutely. They're definitely, yeah, they're definitely merging into the, um, the, the new rules well. They're, they're finding the balance there. The refereeing is probably finding a balance too where they're maybe letting a few things go. There was, there was some really frustrating times in this match when um, when Mitch Hunt was um, penalised for, for sort of shuffling forward after being tackled, trying to, hold a, trying to save a bit of time um, for his team to get there in support. Multiple Crusaders had done it earlier in the game and, of course, late in the game, the Highlanders get pinged. So that's a bit frustrating when it feels like the ref set a standard and and doesn't really apply it consistently late in the game. Um, but yeah, they should be they should be really happy with how they went. Shannon Frizzell was a beast. Uh, Aaron Smith driving the crew around the whole time, and Mitch Hunt was better this week. His kicking yeah, I was improved. Say, he looked a lot, he did, lot yeah. more settled in that ten roll. Maybe it was the adrenaline going against his former team. Yeah, that's that's what will get the Highlanders going. If the Aaron Smith-Mitch Hunt combination fires, um, they've got the talent out wide. They've, they've got a decent pack of forwards. Like, there's there's opportunity there for sure. Um, and it was good to see them match it mostly with the, with the Crusaders in this game. I mean, the, the, the Highlanders are a team in transition, but you see there is quite a lot of potential there. And there's definitely bursts where they look incredible team um but they just can't do it across the whole the whole game and crusaders they're still at the top of their game we can see that now i think you can safely say that they're still the favorites um and i think at another level even to the blues um i think it's going to be a great game next week though absolutely well um yeah so i think for me the standouts in the crusaders I mean, this is a guy's name you're just going to hear pretty much every week now. I think um, Will Jordan um, absolutely just looks electric. And what he can do either on the wing or from fullback um, is just astounding. I think someone put up his stats in terms of tries um, in sort of the last nine games or something. And he's he's in the double digits. Um, he's scoring at quite a clip. Um, and it's just amazing, as we always say, how these guys emerge from the woodwork and there's already been a lot of calls here um, just after that performance. Um, I mean, there were calls before this week, but that he should be uh, one of the first names put down on that um, All Black squad after in your sort of back three. Well, I think he's, I think it's we saw this with Enor last year, really burst onto the scene after appearing a couple of times the year before, um, and was scoring tries at a similar rate. I think Jordan. He's on another level more. to Enor, I think. I think he is, oh, particularly this year. I think Enor is probably he's he's been solid, but but nothing as spectacular perhaps as he was last year. Um, but yeah, Jordan, I don't think he'll be the All Blacks fullback. But you see what they do with these young wingers; they bring them up, bring them in for certain games. They give them time. Um, but he's got a fair bit of competition there. He's got to, you know, displace people like Sever Reese, um, David Havili. David Avili. I mean, George Bridge, he's, yeah, just yeah, he's never really been on the wing the though. For Avili's been at fullback, I think, for the the All Blacks. Yeah. Um, I was actually interested that they started him this week and moved Jordan because Avili's had that. I think he had intestinal surgery or something. It was yeah, quite he a, did. 
Yeah. Severe, just after um, lockdown started. Yeah, so he's recovered well from that, and they obviously, you know, they rate him quite highly. If you're willing to move Will Jordan to the wing after a good performance, um, and get Havili back there, and it's it's whether maybe the All Blacks are pushing that as well. Maybe they see Havili as as more of a long-term 15 solution. But Jordan, yeah, I don't know. Where would you put him? I think. Yeah, if it was this year, he'd be on the wing or coming off the bench for the All Blacks at the most, I think. Don't think they'd trust him necessarily yet right at the back. Potentially, if you have a healthy people like Damon McKenzie, Jordy Barrett, um, or potentially also Bowden. Bowden. Yeah, exactly. I forgot about that. I, it's it's a bit worrying seeing Bowden at Blues 15 consistently. Probably means they're going to stick with the Moanga-Barrett combination, which I think isn't the best, but... You know, maybe it just needs more time. That's what I think most people thought. It was just too late a change. Um, the other big name I thought that had an outstanding game was Tom Christie came back in for um, number seven. Uh, Leo is already pulling up his stats as well, just to just to talk about him as well. But obviously got that late try. But welcome back to Tom Christie. He um, he just you know really solid game. Good good success in the tackle. Obviously in the right spot. Scoring a couple of tries, ten separate runs, thirty-eight meters. Just reading off the stat line, like just a really solid contribution, rewarded with tries. And we were, we were a bit uh, sus on the back row of the Crusaders. Were saying, you know, that's the sort of spot you might pick a Highlander or two. Um, they're just producing, you know, solid solid back rows, solid contributors who know their role in that team, and and just just deliver what the, what's expected and a little bit more. On occasion, that, that's all you need. Your 15 guys doing that, um, you're going to be a very successful team, and that's the Crusaders' uh, factory yeah. for good for players just just doing its thing. Absolutely, and it ends up being a 20 point victory for them, uh, bonus point win. Um, the other game, which was just this afternoon, as we're recording this now, Sunday night, um, and it was battle for the first win of the season, and the Chiefs and the Hurricanes, and that was out of Waikato and. I think we all took the Chiefs for this. Most of the commentators were taking the Chiefs. Everyone thought that they would sort of bounce back after a strong performance um, against the Crusaders last week. But they just don't seem like the Chiefs of the past couple of years. There hasn't been a huge amount of change. But they just don't seem to be able to... Whether it was more the defence of the Hurricanes stepping up, but their attack is just lacking a little bit. They can't seem to penetrate through that line. Is Aaron Cruen... Is Aaron Cruden the Matt Tamua of New Zealand? Like, comes back from overseas and isn't significantly better, not really, like, you know, comes in with a bit of hype and doesn't really do anything for you? But he played quite well last week against the Crusaders, like... But he's not doing it week to week. Like, he's yeah. the senior player, he's the fly half, you'd expect to see him in more, and it does feel like they're shuffling the ball a bit. And it probably was was a little bit more like that without... Um, and Tom Leonard Brown. Yeah, that was a out. big blow like, that's for a big, him. Yeah, and I, again, like like the Rodder, like Rodder and Hawkins with the Reds, like you lose one of those really critical players. I think he brings a lot of balance and straightens things up, and maybe even um, sort of saves the day when the ball gets out wide and you need a good clean out. Like Leonard Brown's a very big factor in that back line, and and maybe was missed. But Cruden to me just doesn't seem to be performing that well, and looks really harried around the field like he's just not um in control he doesn't have um 
enough enough time to do anything. Just looks sort of rushed and forced. Um, McKenzie had moments where he looked brilliant, um, but he was sort of operating in isolation. The commentators would not shut up about Sean Wainui and say he's been great all this se- this season. He was okay last week, and the week before he was woeful, and this week he was back to woeful. So yeah, that's, I, I don't see it. I, I'm not seeing the excitement for Sean Wainui. He's, he's a liability, and his his skill set. Um, he you know he should be delivering good ball, and he's yeah just spilling what, it left, right, and center. What I found quite funny actually, um, like I was reading a few stuff articles on Rugby Pass after the game, um, and rating sort of players, and there was still this sort of hype about Sean Wainui, and they're sort of like he's in the mold of um, Jonathan like some of the big Northern Hemisphere 13s like Jonathan Davies or like George North and things. I'm just like, that is just not the player that I saw running around the field today. I don't know who his um, publicist is, but they've they've managed to get his name out there and managed to get a lot of hype going around him. And yeah, he does good things to an extent, but I couldn't really pick him out of a pack of uh, most of the um, wingers that we see um, within like the the Hurricanes, the Chiefs and the Highlanders sort of thing. Um, obviously, the Crusaders and the Blues wingers are a st- uh, step above. Even the Hurricanes wingers in this game, um, Jacobus Van Wick and, um, <laughs> and Ben Lamb, like they both contributed way more than Sean Wainui. So um, he's well down the list for me. Um, the Chiefs forward pack uh, were a little bit little bit up and down. But like the, They're not having a lot of success at the ruck like you'd expect. Bashir and Sam Kane to, to get you a bit more ball and they just weren't and I mean maybe that's the, the officiating as well it seemed to be giving more penalties than than, than allowing that to happen um, but it's really taking its toll on on that forward pack they're not getting a lot of ball that way mm. it does feel like both teams actually were a bit more focused on ripping in the tackle than letting it get to ground too which made for a slightly messy game particularly early on uh, yeah, Ben O'Keefe definitely got a bit whistle-happy early in this game, and you saw the results in that in uh, probably incorrect so call for like a yellow card on Scott Scrafton for a line-out penalty, um, and then resulting in a second yellow card late, which probably was the right decision there. That was the right decision. Then means a red card for him. Yeah. Um, and then seeing like Sam Kane get away with quite a blatant shoulder charge on TJ late um, without a card as well. So... Not the best refing performance here as well, but I think you're right. I don't think Sam Kane and a lot of the back rowers that we've seen excel in previous years are really doing that much. Um, Sam Kane probably outplayed by Duplessis Karifi in this one, I think. How good's his hair? <laughs> he's gone for the full he's looking, corner. He's looking fierce. He, he looks does. even more nuts now. He does look a bit um, nuts, but he's, he's ferocious in the tackle and he's absolutely every ruck that he's close to, you see, and he's so close to getting the ball in so many of these rucks and yeah he gets a few penalties against him especially under these new laws but he does get the turnovers and he's um seems to be in putting himself in the into attack uh, quite a lot as well um before we talk about the hurricanes though the other player that i was a bit disappointed with who's been very good in the past was brad weber for the chiefs he just seems like they're a bit slow um in terms of their recycling for him to deliver the ball for the next phase you noticed it late when um, Tehurangi yeah, came back on after he's been a bit out with injury, but he seemed to have just an extra bit of spark to him that seemed to be the reason that the Chiefs started getting a bit closer in this one. 
They were chasing at that point, though, and it's again another one where it's throw caution to the wind. You, you've got to play to catch up. Um, so, you know, that definitely would have driven him. But you're right, it, he's come on late and he's brought energy, which is what you want from your bench player. Brad Weber got a lot of slow ball, and, and that was, you know, partly the forwards not, not executing cleanly at the ruck, but also the pressure from the Hurricanes. There was a lot of counter-rucking that was slowing things down and, and guys just kind of getting getting caught over the ball without letting it come through through the feet to Brad Weber. So, um, you know, a poor platform for... The rest of the back line didn't didn't give them much opportunity versus the Hurricanes, who this week I think found um, found some more opportunities, found some cohesion, and kind yeah. of locked in in that way. It's a funny it's it shouldn't it doesn't make sense because it's almost a completely different set of backs um, outside Lamapi. Like it's a different mix up of guys again, and it's they seem to find some rhythm together. Canes tend to do that though. They're notorious for changing their their outside backs and shuffling people around. And you're right, Lamapi's often the mainstay in that back line, along with Perinara. And then you just move guys in and out of outside center, shuffle the wings around, you know, bring in um, a different fullback, and they can still hit their straps and and be quite attacking. Um, well, but how disappointed would the Chiefs be? Like this? Oh is... yeah. And you saw it, Warren Gatlin in the post uh, match conference was. Definitely starting to sort of maybe maybe he's questioning the the movies made to come down here. Um, he's he's changing a little bit the of the feeling towards him as a um, top class coach. I think if he if he doesn't tougher. sort of get find a little bit of victory, but It'd be tougher down here, Warren. Yeah, not not quite as easy <laughs> as up there in Wales. Um, but how much of a difference did Geordie Barrett make? Um, absolutely immense. He was in everything, sparking things from everywhere on the field, and then. Just before half time, decides to kick another of his long range penalties, makes a 65 meter penalty. Which, I mean, the Chiefs um, assistant coach was rightly pretty pissed off at half time when they asked him because the penalty was about another five or six meters back behind where they where they let him <laughs> kick it from. Um, and genetic then. Genetic. Kicking the ball forward. <laughs> I can still old, see Jordan. It's, old Barrett it's an old, yeah, that's it. Used to do it in in the backyard at Christmas time. I still want to see Geordie at 10. Carden Bastrop is, you know, average at best, I think. Um, I don't think so Geordie operates, with, he operates better with some space, though. Yeah. I just think he can adapt to, to any sort of role in that background. It could be his downfall, though, if he's too much of a utility um, in terms of all-black selection and where do you where do you put him. Reece Hodge. You know, if he doesn't... Well, yeah, if he doesn't play fullback consistently or, he, you know, he's moving into the centres and suddenly they, they think, well, maybe we want a full-time fullback back there. And he misses out. He comes off the bench more often than not. So He went back so he wasn't competing with Bowden at 10 and now Bowden's at 15. He can't win. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you could have... Maybe he's just going to have to be on the wing. I think he's a guy who maybe, like, definitely, definitely plays, in my mind, better... More of a fullback and an outside back. I don't think he's ever really going to sit in, particularly in the Hurricanes. He's not going to end up in those centres. I don't think he'll end up there for the All Blacks. I think he's an outside back, and you know you don't want to ever put a ceiling on your opportunities or potential. But because because he might not be super um, sort of elite in one position, maybe he needs to look at being that that. Um, whatever he is in his club team, but the 
the slightly outside back utility type player for the All Blacks and just just bring an an adaptability to to what the situation is in their matches because he's going to plug holes for the Hurricanes at the moment. He's he's a fullback, but he's been in other positions. He might end up at ten at some point, and that's valuable. He's gonna. He's gonna mean. It's gonna mean for him that he's destined for the bench, so that he can come on, tap twenty minutes to go in any position. So it just but offers you ultimate that's, flexibility. That's for now. That's for the. That's for the short term. But yeah, depending yeah. on where you end up coming on and, and how you perform over time, you you might develop mm. into a specialist in one position. But at the moment, I think if you tried to sell that he was a specialist and an elite specialist in any one position, I don't think people would be buying it. I think they've already got stock of a lot of those. And what they would really like is someone who's got some utility and in time he might find his final position. It's, it's very reminiscent of what people were saying about Hodge a couple of years ago. Guy with a long-range boot that seems to play anywhere in the outside backs. Um, and Adam Ashley Cooper. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, thing. he did find a position in, for himself in 13 and then 14 later on in his career. That's right. And he did get to a point where I would have said he's pretty close to elite, whereas I don't think Hodge has. And that's just natural development and, you know, that's just what happens. It doesn't work for everyone. Speaking of players that are elite in their selected position, Dan Coles. Once again... Dan Coles. Dan Coles. Dan Coles. Dan Coles is excellent. He's just so How quick is he? He's so... He's quick and he rips off intercepts and he's just... He's just... How old is he? Is he thirty-two? I think he's over over thirty. Yeah, he's he's he but he's just so consistent. He's so aggressive, but he's 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 accurate. Um, he's his thirty-three. Line-outs, there you go. He's his lineouts are never in question. Like, just that's such a good leader. Like, there's a reason why he's co-captain. He's being captain. He's just like he's just a tier above so many of the other hookers in Australia or New Zealand. Just picks himself. Like, there's no way the All Blacks Cody Taylor? Um, ditch him. I think like, Taylor still starts, but Cody Taylor's very good. But how, but but he Dane Cole. I mean, man, again, maybe Dayton Coles wouldn't have the um, the 80 minutes at a test level, but sorry, the fir- the first portion of the 80. But maybe he's better in the last 30 or something. But he's just yeah. so good. Like, and in this mm. game, he just showed he still got it. Mm. I think yeah, sorry, that's that's the end of my rage. No, I agree. No, I agree. I think he's awesome, and it's glad. I'm glad to see that he's not, you know, suffering with injuries because that definitely derailed, you know, his his presence in the test team. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think he really stood out. But a lot of the Hurricanes forwards, I think, um, we already mentioned Duplessis, Karifi, Artie Seve had another big game, and Reed Princett, um, at six had a defensive sort of mountain. I think he made upwards of sort of 20 tackles or something in this, um, not missing any. Um, so, yeah, some absolute great performances from those Canes forwards that they did have question marks over them before this. Um, before we go on to next week and um, and our picks for it, we've now seen one round of the Australian game, a couple of rounds of the um, New Zealanders. Rule changes. What do you guys think? We saw a really high number of penalties in the first um, week of Australian conference games, similar to what we had in the first week of the Super Rugby Aotearoa. Um, which ones do you like more? Which ones do you want to get rid of? Where do you think the answer lies um, when these competitions do combine again? I like the fifty twenty two. 
particularly from an attacking sense. I think that was interesting to see, and I, I like the way Tate McDermott just picked that off. Um, in terms of dropout, mind dropout, probably not a fan. I don't think that adds too much to the game. I know you're probably trying to get rid of a lot of the, the extra scrums that might come up, but, but how many times is someone taken back over their own line? Not that frequently in the game, maybe once. Um, so I think a line dropout, not really needed, but and we'll see. Maybe maybe that's going to be more of a factor as we go forward. Yeah, most of the rules I'm a fan of, particularly the, the enforcement of existing rules where there's not really a change. I think things were getting quite sloppy, particularly about side entry in the ruck. I think it's still getting, you know, it's still coming back. It's it's in the fourth round of the New Zealand competition. We saw some of it and it wasn't all getting penalised. That's a bit frustrating because it, it, it was picking off guys who were... Um, fairly loose and weren't really in a position to support their, their breakout player. So a guy can get up the field and people can just come from anywhere and clear out. It's not really fair to the defense. I like that. The, the 22-50 or 50-22, I'm, I'm not sure. I want to see a few more games with it. Um, you know, it's a nice bonus for the attackers, but um, I don't think we've really seen it play out. Um, mm. We haven't really seen any desperate situations where it's, you know, been a turning point in the game. Um we almost saw the, the red card 20 minutes off and can be replaced come into effect in this last game, um, but obviously not enough time left in the game for that. But I think that's going to be a, a really good rule. Um, I wonder if 20 minutes is a bit too long, but, um, yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see if, if teams are, can stick it out for 20 minutes mid mid to late game and get someone back on. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think they're mostly all worth keeping. Oh, pretty big supporter of most of these rule changes interesting well we'll see whether the penalty counts tend to drop again um as we get a few weeks into this um let's look at round two for super rugby australia um we'll run through a few of these picks we've got friday night we've got the melbourne rebels um hosting the reds on my schedule here it says amy park i'm not sure that's going to I think be it's in sydney it's i think sydney? it's in sydney is it confirmed sydney yep. now yeah um, but I don't know where. So, obviously not then a home game for the Rebels here. Um, neutral ground, really. Um, what are you boys thinking? Rebels, Reds? I'll take Reds. the Reds. Reds so, easily, I think. I don't think easily. I think the Rebels will, you know, they showed some fight. The The Reds have got some, some weaknesses now that are exploitable. Um, and they're both playing away from home, so... You know, you you build up and your preparation's a bit different that way. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably you know within the one try sort of range. I think the Reds, are, the, I just think the Fords and the Reds are going to dominate this Rebels Ford pack. I think that's where it's going to be won and lost. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think Reds take it, um, but yeah, definitely, definitely old v young in the backs. Absolutely, this is new generation um, millennials versus Gen X or something, isn't it? Um, <laughs> So then we move on to another Sydney game on Saturday, and it's at the SCG. And welcome back to the Force. The Force is coming back and facing off the Tars in their triumphant return to Super Rugby. And this one's very hard to predict because you you don't know what the Force is going to look like with these extra guys back in, and the Waratahs obviously trying a few new guys in new positions. It's going to be fairly raw. Um, I think I. I worry that the Waratahs will find a way to lose this, but I think I'll I'll be tipping the Waratahs. 
Uh, hopefully they just play a patient game, a, a game plan that suits the strengths of these players that they've brought in. Um, the force, you know, they've been out of this competition for a while, and while they've they've really rump, uh, run over the top of a, lo- a lot of their opponents, I don't think they're quite ready to take on a full-time Super Rugby team. Yeah, I think, look, I think the Tars will be much better for that run, um, which I think is, is an edge coming into a, you know, a game with a force that, Frankly, they're going to be a little bit nervous for. I think um, coming back into Super Rugby, it's a it's a new level of rugby that they've been to, compared to what they've been playing the last couple of years. So, um, but yeah, shout out to John Lance, Kyle Godwin at the Force. Great to see them pairing up. I think that's going to be exciting um, clash against some of the younger backs for the Waratahs. Um, but yeah, I think look, Waratahs, I think slightly too good, and I'll take them by seven. I'm going against you, boys. I think the Force are going to be absolutely firing coming back into this game, and they'll be looking to prove themselves. Um, and they'll have a chance to do it against uh, Waratah's side. Like, you're right, the the Force aren't used to this, but the majority of the Waratah's team aren't used to Super Rugby either. It's all very new to them as well. Um, so I think they might be a little bit intimidated by this new team and new players that they wouldn't have seen a lot of, most of these guys. Um, and I think the maturity of someone like John O'Lance and um, Pryor and Goodwin um, is going to help them a lot. I'm, I reckon the Force might take it here. Going to the <laughs> New Zealand side of things, um, and oh, Saturday night, Crusaders, Blues. I'm very, very happy to announce that I will be making the trip down to the South Island to watch this game. Dan Carter... Played a full 80 minutes for his local club here in Auckland. Uh, kicked six conversions and had a try and two try assists over the weekend. Said he felt good. Um, he feels ready to, to step it up a little bit. And I think we'll see him named probably on the bench for the Blues here to take on the Crusaders. And I think I think Dan Carter will definitely have to come off the bench. There's no way they'll miss this opportunity. They've prepped him. And I reckon all the Crusaders will be putting their hand up to run the first ball straight at him. Sam Whitelock, former teammate, like he will want to absolutely line him up, um, welcome him home to to Christchurch. But how good is this game going to be? You've got your your table-topping teams. They're both with the three wins. This is for the fourth to finish the round off. Um, And hopefully, regardless what happens, I mean, these two teams go strong and we get a big finale in, in another five weeks' time. Yeah, I mean, hard to call, but I think Crusaders definitely at home. I think they should get this done. Um, but Dan Carter is definitely, it's its worth making the journey just for that arch. Him and Bowden teaming up once again. Um, yeah, amazing. I think um, it's a great thing for rugby to have Auckland strong with their rugby. And then traditionally Christchurch have been strong for, for such a long period of time. Um but we've got two young teams, and that's the main thing. There's there's a lot of fresh young faces running around. I want to see Will Jordan put on another couple of tries. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really big clash. Rico Ioani will be fired up. These two back lines are just going to go at it. It's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be absolutely great. Um, one sort of concerning story around the Blues that I saw early in the week was um, some ideas around Eddie um, Jones trying to poach Hoskins Satutu because he's got English eligibility. Um, but it sounds like they're they're well into talks to extend him um, in terms of his Blues contract, and I don't think they'll let him get away um, to to England just yet. But 
oh, I really want to tip the blues for this. I don't know if I can actually do it, but I really, really want to tip the blues because oh, how good would it be to see them take the clean sweep, take down every other club in New Zealand and do it at Christchurch where the Crusaders have not lost, I believe, since 2016. Mm. Huge game. And the Blues, look, they earn, they've earned this this right to be in this position. They've played well since the, the season's got going again. And, yeah, it's just I, I'm glad to see these two teams at the peak of their powers again. Um, and, yeah, what can I say? It's just it, it sells itself, this game. And, Arch, I'm very jealous you're going to be down there to see it. And the other game on Sunday afternoon, Hurricanes v Highlanders up there at Wellington, Sky Stadium. Um, the Hurricanes obviously would be looking to get back into sort of winning ways. They obviously did it today. They're looking to try and climb their way back up that ladder. Yeah, and I think the the Hurricanes at home probably playing fairly similarly now to the to the Highlanders on a on a bit of a resurgence. I think at home they'll they'll get this one, and they're just starting to to form up together. The cohesion's coming back. I'd like to think that continues and they won't drop off after an important win against the Chiefs. Huge game, I think, for both these teams. And I expect it to be very close. I think the Highlanders are, you know, if they play to their potential, I think they could nab a victory here. But I'm going to take the safer pick. I'm going to go with the Canes coming off a, you know, a pretty good performance against the Chiefs. Yeah, you got to tip the momentum maybe that the Hurricanes have gained. And obviously having Geordie back makes a massive difference, I think. Um, I'll tout it once again every time I do this though he ends up being injured but we might see the return of Josh Iwani in this game um, which I think would be a, re- a really good battle to see him come back into the into the game for this but yeah hard to go against the Hurricanes at home after that performance today well that's about all we need to go through today a bit of a longer one obviously we're all excited having um, all these games to talk about um, but thanks for sticking with us throughout the podcast for make sure you have pressed on that little subscribe button, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and that you are logging on to our Instagram and um, Twitter to keep up with all the latest news. Um, We'll be back next week. I'll be still in an adrenaline rush after seeing Dan Carter take down the Crusaders in Christchurch. Until then, keep on running. Run.